then what I realized that I enjoyed even more than the music was the people behind it that I got to meet and rub shoulders with, especially the experiences that I was able to create for people. Welcome to East Idaho Entrepreneurs Podcast, inspiring stories from local people and businesses you likely already know and trust. Here is your host, third-generation family business entrepreneur, Renee Oswald. Welcome back to another episode of East Idaho Entrepreneurs. This is the show where I interview business owners, entrepreneurs, and influencers in East Idaho and learn the stories of their challenges and successes. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to stay tuned after the interview today for the business leadership moment. Today, I interview an individual who has brought the party to many an event or celebration. So welcome Andy Johnson, owner of Andex Entertainment. Is that true? Is it Andex Entertainment? Mm -hmm. Okay. Welcome. Yep. It's good, to be, uh, it's good to be with you, Renee, and be on your show. So thanks so much for having me. Well, I'm excited to get to know more about your story because I understand that this business has taken off and you are the guy to go to. It reminded me of The Wedding Singer when they say, you've inspired <laughs> me to hire a DJ. Yeah. I've heard that you are the DJ to go to. Hey, well, it's, it's nice to be recognized and to be known uh, in the area and by other people to have their trust. So it's, I think that's been one of the greatest things that I necessarily didn't expect or, or really kind of see to come fruition. So. Yeah, it's good. It, you are the name to be known. So tell us, for the listeners who may not know, what is your business? What exactly do you do? Yeah, so uh, Andex Entertainment, we are an audiovisual company uh, for live events is what we specialize in. And so providing the audio, lighting, video, staging, just a lot of the things that events go. And so we do a lot of corporate event is what we um, do a high volume of. And then we also um, do weddings and other private um, and personal get togethers is what we do. So if I go to a conference, and they have audiovisual. you would have been the person who would have kind of set all of that up? Uh, most likely here yeah. in the Idaho Falls area. Yeah. Yep. So. What about concerts if there's a band playing? Do you uh, do anything with that? It just depends on the size. So we do anywhere from small to mid-sized concerts is what we do. So about 2,500 people kind of is what we draw the line from what we feel um, confident in what we're able to do because there's other people and other uh, people in the area that can, do the that can do the bigger area that we partner with. Mm -hmm. So we know we know our section and what we can succeed in, and we know who our partners for other scaling events and, um, are and who they need to go to. So how tell me how that started. What was your motivation to get this started? Did you just see that there was this need <laughs> and you decided to fill it? Yeah, so that's, that's exactly how it came. It just kind of fell on my lap. So the year was May 2007. And I was uh, running for a student uh, government position um, at the state level for Idaho. And um, the guy that was running all the sound. Um, but you were in high school. I was in high school. Uh -huh. I was 17 at this yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, I was always been active, always been on there. And so I was campaigning and so I was speaking. And the guy that was running the sound just came up to me um, afterwards and asked if I wanted a job. He said, you're confident with the mic on stage and I need guys like uh, that. Um, that can work for me. And so that man was Tyler Brooks with AMB Productions and I've got a lot of respect for him and he really helped teach me a lot of the things that he's done um, in the business for uh, over 25 years. And so I just, you know, caught on and I just found out that I had a real big knack for it um, is what I did. So that's my entry on how I got into it. Um is that a local company, Idaho Falls, or was that Boise? Yeah, they're right here in Idaho Falls. Oh, okay. Yep. Okay. Okay, great. So 
is that what you did? You graduated from high school and you became a DJ. And oh. I shouldn't, I shouldn't say it. Like, is that okay <laughs> if I say you became a DJ? Because is that really kind of how it started? Well, the yeah. So I was, I was the assistant to the DJ. I see. In the, in the meaning that I got to uh, help him uh, set up and take down and move equipment all over. Oh, like the roadie. The roadies. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I got to be. Is the glorified roadie is yeah. what I was. Yeah. So I did that for about uh, 2007 to 2008, um, and then I went on my mission right after that. And coming back from my mission, I'm like, okay, I want to be more than just the, the grunt that moves stuff around. It's like, I want to be the guy that's making the, the party and the event happen. And so, um, so I really started picking things up and started really kind of diving into music, especially like the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and just like immersing myself. Because before then, it was always just, you know, what they were playing on Z103. So all these like oldies or classic hits, I'm like, I, I don't know hardly any of this stuff. But, right. And that's the people who wanted you to play the 60s, 70s. Well, that, that's, that's what yeah. Tyler told me that I had to do in order to do weddings was to know the classics. And mm -hmm. so, you know, but I found the Steve Miller band, you know, Journey. I mean, there were so many. Queen. This is my I, generation. Oh, right. Yes. And so I just got to great. immerse myself and be like, okay, <laughs> I have an understanding and appreciation for that. And that's what's, you know. That's a on huge your personal playlist. playlist yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's fantastic. I love it. Yep. So when you say that you, was it just the draw from the music you were just, or did you just love it? Was it just so fun? So, so I thought I used to be like a huge like music uh, enthusiast and everything. But then what I realized that I enjoyed even more than the music uh, was the people behind it that I got to meet and rub shoulders with. And especially the experiences that I was able to create for people. Um, because the, the satisfactory moment happened for me when I was, you know, the guy in the back and just seeing all the lights, all the video, everything sounding really good and people being excited for what's happening up on stage. Yeah. And not being the center of attention, but knowing that I helped kind of create that moment. Yeah. Uh, what is what's rewarding to me on a, on a daily basis. So I'm fine with people not knowing my name or who I am or everything, but as long as but what we do. that da daddy-daughter dance. Yeah, daddy-daughter dance or the <laughs> keynote speech or, oh, yes. um, you know, or the or the encore at a rock show or something like that is, yeah. is what I get a lot of excitement about. That's awesome. I think that's a really neat way. I don't think that people really maybe would understand how you can sit back and enjoy the fruits of your labor, so to speak, right. and not have to be the center of yep. attention. Um, but you you went to school, right? Is that, yeah. this was not your business. You were still working for yeah, somebody so, else. Yeah, so in 2012 is when I started up at BYU-Idaho. So I was working at A&B uh, Productions, uh, still part-time and then full-time in the summers there. And I decided that I wanted to be an engineer. And so I thought my destiny was on the nuclear energy aspect uh, is what I wanted to be doing. Why? What drew you to that? Uh, I just, I just always, I just wanted to be innovative and being able to provide, you know, better solutions and better um, results for people. Yeah, felt so, like the right track for you to go. Yeah, uh -huh. and I really didn't know a whole lot about engineering or science as a whole, but I'm like, hey, well, if I'm going to get a degree, I might as well get it in something that I don't know a lot about. That it's it's right in front of me that I can take advantage. So and there's certainly opportunity for here for you to use that degree. Oh yeah. 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 If I if I ever got to the, to a point in time that I needed to, so you finished school. Yeah, got your engineering degree. Uh huh. So you are a very qualified 
AV guy? Uh, I think I'm pretty qualified. Yeah, I think yeah. so. <laughs> Everything that we do should have a good factor of safety. and <laughs> Yeah, and you can appreciate else. that. Yep. So you pretty much learned on the job from your mentor. How did this morph into your own business? Yeah, so as I was taking classes up at BYU-Idaho, I was also dabbling in entrepreneurship classes up there as my elective classes is what I was doing. And just saw, you know, as we were uh, constructing and talking in class and about different ideas that we could do, I saw that there were so many aspects and areas um, that, that we weren't doing at A&B that we could be able to capitalize on and do at a higher altitude. And so I, I went to uh, my boss at the time, Tyler, and I said, hey, you know, we could be doing this, this, and this, and we could be able to make this much revenue and, and doing it this way different. And he's like, yeah. We could be. We could. <laughs> and then I told him that I wanted to get a little bit more green out of that situation. And that's when he's like, you know, I like Andy, but I, sorry, I just can't do that. Yeah. It doesn't work for me. Yeah. And I said, that's fine. You, uh, was that okay though? Were you kind of shocked or what did you anticipate? It didn't, it that didn't shock me, honestly, because, uh -huh. you know, I, I, I love the guy and I wish the best for him, but yeah. we, we had our differences and whatnot. And so that's, but I stuck to my guns. I'm like, hey, I, if, if I know what I know is to be true, then I know it's going to be out there. And, and were you a pretty scrappy guy, like always wanting to do something better? Yeah. That kind of your motivation. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I have a really hard time being complacent and just settling with, yeah, this is okay, mm -hmm. when I know that it could be better. Yeah. And so our mission statement at Andex is to raise the experience. And so I'm always driven to push things and push technology further and further than before. Okay, so how did Andex come to be? You now are like, oh, okay, I guess if I'm gonna do this, I better go out on my own. You just graduated from college. Well, I hadn't even you graduated even, at that point. You were still in college. So I'm imagining you don't so, have a whole lot of resources to go buy the equipment that right. you need. So I, I convinced my dad and talked to, to the bank. And so uh, for 7,000 bucks is what I got my starter system with. Not many people can start a business for $7,000. That's pretty good. <laughs> Not a lot. So <laughs> yeah, it took a lot of you know, building and you know, I, I spent a lot more uh, that year. I think I spent like 36,000 and made 24,000 that yeah, year. And so yeah. whatever I could, it just went back into the business and kept fueling it, fueling it that way. So I think that's a great lesson though for future entrepreneurs or people like we do oftentimes have to put more into our business. It isn't an immediate success. You open the doors and things aren't going the day that you do it. So to be able to understand that you're going to have to put a little blood, sweat and tears into this. So was it a one man show at this point? Just so you? it was a one-man show for about nine months. Mm -hmm. And then um, we had our first triple booking happen. And that's when I realized that I needed some more people uh, to be involved in that. And so uh, that's when I went and talked with some of the guys that I knew uh, the best to coordinate and bring on board with them. Um, so that was Austin Jorgensen, Jason Klingler, and Ryan Tolman were some of the big people that I, I knew that I needed in order to, to grow at that point. And were they also in the field or you had worked with them in, in this field before that? Yeah, I'd worked with them previously mm -hmm. before I knew their different skill sets. So I just told them what, what I was doing at Andex and wanted it to be bigger and better. And they wanted to have a place with that. So. Are they all still part of the business? Uh, they're not. Mm -hmm. huh? They've all kind of 
done their own thing. gone their own way, especially gotten married and being able to have a family and their weekends are a lot more important to them. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that kind of takes up sometimes your time that would be key for the business that you're in. Right. Mm-hmm. So I kind of already asked this, but after that first year, was it pretty successful or do you feel like it was immediately successful? Uh, it, you know, I, I felt like we had some great strides that we were able to make that I was really excited for. We were able to get some good partnerships and um, find some good clients that we had some networking. I remember the first event that I ever did was like a junior high dance, which in DJ terms, you know, is not something that to salivate over, <laughs> but it's a now, starting high ground. high school would have been a different story, <laughs> right. but junior high. Right. So we, we got up to doing high schools that fall, which was really nice. Yeah. And so um, being able to do being larger events um, were, were some of the good things and doing a, I did a college party event is what I also did and that flopped on my face pretty hardcore oh, versus why? how what happened? I'll just I, I realized I wasn't as good of a marketer and uh, a, tr- a promoter is what I realized from that experience so uh-huh. I was really good at making sure that the event was all set up and it was highly executed uh, and it was designed for about 200 people and we had about 25 people come to it. Oh no. And so that was a nice big slap in the face uh, to me personally um, and to my limited funds as well at that point. So explain that a little bit to me though. Were you putting on the event? Yeah. So I was, yeah, I was putting it on. So I was promoting it. I was paying everything just out of pocket and whatnot. Those 25 people had a really good experience though. Oh, oh, they they sure did. (laughs) So (laughs) they got a lot of bang for their buck. That's for sure. Wow. So do you do that still? You Do you host your own events like that now? Not anymore. Uh, and that's just been one of the things that I realized that I've got, I have to focus on certain things, you know, in the entertainment industry, which we focus on the audiovisual space. And so the promoting and advertising side is something that we don't necessarily try and um, take on ourselves. You let somebody else do that. Yep. And then you show up and have the party. Right. Yeah. Um, what do you think was the single greatest struggle you had when getting your business off the ground? How did, how did you overcome that? I think the biggest thing was always building the right team um, and making sure that the people that, that I brought on, you know, could work well together collectively. Cause that's, that's one of the, the deeper things that's in Andex. It's and, X, it's mm-hmm. a uniting thing. Okay. And so we want to make sure that the that we're we don't just have a few stars and then a few other people that are roadies and help out. Is that we want to be able that everyone is contributing and everyone's engaged to what the event is and what we're working towards because there's so many more things that we can be able to accomplish that way. So finding the right person to be in the right seat on the bus was a little bit rough in yep. the beginning. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And especially making it so that we could um be able to execute, you know, multiple events, um, you know, being in seven different places on a Saturday is always tricky and making sure that people have enough gear and equipment. And so logistics was hard because the most consistent thing about the entertainment industry is that it's inconsistent. <laughs> and so there'll be weeks where we don't have anything and then they all land like on the same day is when everyone wants to do something. So, so will you, I guess you have to max yourself out. You can't do everything that comes your way because you're limited on resources. Right. Um, Although it is super fun to be doing a, a late night dance or something like that and then turn around 
and get home at like 2 a.m. And then I've got to wake up at 4 a.m. and then go do like a, a 5K or a marathon race in the yes. morning. And so I bet that's super fun. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That doesn't sound like super fun. Right. So no. when the eyes hurt and it's time to roll, it's like, hey, we got to go to make this happen. Good so. lesson, though. Like when you have the business, you you take the business. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So did you have any challenges when when you or do you still when you are booked that heavily, you can't personally be at every place. And you talk about having the right person on the right seat in the bus and the whole thing. But have you had any troubles with letting go of that control? Because it sounds like- Oh, that's, when... a, that's the hardest thing about this, Renee. <laughs> this is the question, huh? Yeah, so what are you doing? How are you doing that? So, yeah, I do good and I do bad mm-hmm. at that. And so uh, I, I used to be super demanding and super micromanaging and specific about how I wanted everything to be executed because that's how, you know, I interpreted that that's what needed to happen. Yeah. And so the hardest thing for me has been to realize that I can't do everything nor, and I'm not perfect and people aren't perfect, but what I can do is I can trade my train, my team and make sure that they can be effective and that they as long as they're putting the clients first then the event will fall into place mm-hmm. you know it's when i have to deal with some attitude issues is when i really have a hard time with people and things don't go well mm-hmm. and so that's that's been the biggest thing that i've realized is that i have to spend more time on the training aspect of things than i do as far as the f- fulfillment side so when you talk about training being your focus to make sure that everybody is in line, did you have to create your own training programs? Is there some kind of school? How do you how do you learn well, this? Well, that's and that's the hard part is that that I I'm not the most organized person, and I realize what what my talents and abilities are is um, you know on the sales and the marketing aspect of things, but as far as like the training and all the details and the especially the documents and the processes, yeah, like that's where I'm really weak on. And so being able to have uh, the right team members um, to be able to do those trainings and whatnot. So uh, that's been a big thing for me, has been making sure that training is something that we're executing and that I'm involved in that piece, but it's not necessarily resting on my shoulders. Do you feel like you were prepared for that, like at a school? Like, how do you learn that? This is not something... You're pretty young when you started this company. Yeah. So with trial and error, you were to the point where you realized you didn't possess all of the skills and you needed to bring other people on to have those strengths to build you up. Right, so so I've always been on the tech savvy side of things and so I, I had a good understanding of a lot of general things to do. But, and then really last year is when we started realizing that, hey, you know, my general knowledge uh, isn't good enough to really cut it for the things that we want to do in the future. Mm-hmm. And so I, uh, went on a recruiting mission just down to Provo, Utah and got to talk to my brother down there. And I said, Alan, I really need you because you're smarter than I am. And I need you to help me run a lot of the tech that we're doing up there and be my tech director. So it took a few conversations and some convincing, but he was up here in Idaho Falls in January. Is this a little brother? Yeah. And what was, was he going to school? Yeah. So you've talked him out of school. Uh, Yeah, I told him that (laughs) Uh, that I needed him currently for the year that we were building and to put his education plans on pause for a little bit is what I asked him. Yeah. So he was nice enough to to do it, to do that. So. And, and how's he feeling about this? Does he love it? Yeah, he loves it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he likes it a lot. So he's actually going to be transferring down to uh, Utah 
Uh, so that way he can finish his education, which is something that he wants to do. He's doing electrical engineering down there. So he's going to be going to the U. And uh, then he's also going to be starting um, a branch of Andex down in the Salt Lake area as well. You don't currently have that branch? No. Okay. Are you branched out any place else outside of Idle Falls right now? We, I mean, we've been coast to coast as far as events go, but we haven't had any satellite or remote branches as of yet. So tell me about that. How have you been coast to coast? People just learned about you or local people took you with them? So in business, it's all about who you know and and what you're what you're able to share and offer them. And so there was a there was a company out of Utah uh, that we partnered with and were their DJ and MC and uh, AV partner with. And so they had 60 events uh, nationwide. And so we became their AV partner for all of those events. And wow. so we were sending a staff member to each of those last year. And so we covered everywhere from Florida, Maine, Seattle. What did you do? Pack so. up a trailer and just drive there with all your stuff? So we outfitted them with all the gear that they needed. And then that road, that was in a semi. And so it went to each place to place. I see. And so I the see. semi would be independent and then the people would be Show up. just flying back and forth. That way we could have our different crews and our staff members and have a standardized system that we were having. Did you have any hiccups with that whole huge production? Oh, well, n everything goes well in theory, <laughs> but there's it's not if something goes wrong, it's when it does, yeah. are, are we ready? And, and that's why we have to build redundancy and have additional gear and other things with, with what we do. So that way the show can go on because you know, just as when when it's showtime for our clients, then we got to make sure that we're ready to go. Yeah. Even if there's challenges with power, if a generator goes out, you know, if one of the mics is dead, you know, if the if the sound system isn't cooperating the way that we need it to, is that we've got to be able to know not just one way to do things, but you know, three or five different ways. Yeah. To because AV the same thing. is a huge deal. We all those of us who speak have complete anxiety attacks that the AV is not going to work. <laughs> right. Or sometimes people don't want it to work. So <laughs> yes, they that's don't right. have to embarrass that's themselves. True. That's true. So, that's a good excuse to right, get out of that. Huh? Right. Hmm. So I have to think about that. <laughs> All right. So along this little journey, have you had, have you had to conquer moments of doubt? Have you felt pretty confident throughout this whole thing? Like, I totally know what I'm doing and this is rocking it. Or, you know, have you come up against things like, what am I doing? Uh, yeah, as, as the events have gotten bigger, that definitely takes me out of my comfort zone and what I feel confident in doing. And so it's, it's been a good balance and it's been a good push because there's times where I've really tried to go above and beyond and that's when Andy's stretching too much. Mm -hmm. And so so I find that there's there's this certain level of push that I can do within myself. And I just gotta make sure that I'm always raising that and being realistic about where it's at. Because when I start getting a few no's and, and a few kind of kickbacks and things, that's when I realized I've kind of found my boundary. Yeah. And I've gotta settle in, I've gotta make sure that we understand where that's at. And then we can be able to move forward and take another step. It sounds like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you have pretty high standards for yourself and for your team. And so I suspect that sometimes those are just maybe in some people's view, even a little unrealistic where you're wanting to go, that it's okay that you can pull back a little bit. Would that be an accurate statement? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and I think that's been one of the hardest things with, with people and being able to 
work with them on a long-term basis is that I always want to go 90 miles an hour, you know, six days a week. You know, Sunday's my lax day. That's my day. But the rest of the time, it's like, go, go, go. And I think that's what I just expect from other people yeah. around me and my yeah. team. And I've realized that there's got to be a balance, you yeah. know, of what I expect and what people can do. Because if I'm expecting everyone to be like me, I don't want that, first of all, because I, <laughs> we need a lot different perspectives than just my own. But then we also need to have better balance in life. And I'm trying to do better about my 70 and 80 hour work weeks and so that I can be able to have more of a life than just what work is, which which is just really, you know, taken, taken a lot of my time for the past year and a half is what I've spent into it, so. Well, you, you know, you're talking about your baby and I'm sure you put your heart and soul into this company. So to see it succeed is probably primarily on your mind all of the time. And a lot of us business owners feel that way. But you're right. When you're burning the candle at both ends, you soon burn out. And then your company is not all that fun anymore. Right. Yeah. Right. You don't want to get to that point. No. Nope. Well, I think you have a pretty nice approach then that you're kind of at least looking at it. I don't know if you've healed yourself from it, but it's, at least you're looking at it. It's 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 taken a process and it's yeah. taken a lot of low lights. I mean, when when I want to quit the company that that I own and operate, I think that's a good indicator for that I'm not enjoying it and things are wrong more so than just on the surface. Yeah. And so it's taken um, a good mentor uh, to really help me to hey, slow down. Mm -hmm. It's it's about being the turtle and about being knowledgeable about where we're going rather than the hair and just getting burnt out mm -hmm. along the way. So. so talk to me about that, a mentor. Where do you find a mentor? If I was, you know, if I was looking for one, where'd you find yours? Uh, so mine took me a while before I found someone that I really jived with that really matched the, um, the commitment to detail and the high expectations uh, and the ability to really grow from, you know, something of um, a lot lower cal caliber into, you know, multi-million dollar. Yeah. Um, and so I, I didn't find my mentor here in the Idaho area. I was actually attending a conference down in Las Vegas and he was one of the keynote speakers and um, he offered a, a program called More Business, More Life and uh, invited invited all us um, out to California and there was just a connection that I felt and that, yeah. I, that I needed to take that. And so... After the completion of that course is when when I asked him to be my mentor because I I had that you know the connection of on so many different levels and realized that he would be very influential in bringing me closer to where I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. So well, I think that's really good advice. Oftentimes we do need to look outside of our little circle or area um, to find that person who can inspire us and move us to the next level. But in business it's kind of a lonely place. And sometimes we don't even realize that we should, it's okay to have a mentor. It's okay to have somebody that's guiding us. Right, right. And and when I first heard about a mentor, like in my business classes and other people, like, I don't need somebody telling me what right. to do. Like, that's the last thing that I want. I mean, I'm an entrepreneur. Yeah, of I know how to do, do everything. It. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. And so when I met Steve, it just was a different different thing because I realized that it's like, hey, you know, this person knows a lot more about me. Yeah. And yes, I could understand everything on my own and take the hard route if I wanted to. Or I can tap into a wealth of knowledge and, and expertise on what he's already done and be able to grow even at a faster pace. Yeah. So. And just have that partner walk in next to you because I'm sure he's probably as invested in your company as you are seeing you succeed. Right. Oh, definitely. So, yeah. so I, I spent a few days with him last week. Uh, down in San Francisco. And so it was great to, you know, just 
give an, an update on where I'm at and what I'm thinking and to hear some, some feedback and be like, hey, I like what you're doing here, but maybe kind of tweak this a little bit. And this is how what's going to be able to provide for long-term success. Is he, is this, is this business, this type of business, his background or is he? No, he comes from marketing and sales. He mm -hmm. actually went to film school. And so he's done uh, video productions and things for uh, MTV and, and other, uh, uh, TV shows and whatnot, and then he built a marketing uh, company and and worked okay. with uh, Charles Schwab, Apple, some other big uh, oh, companies great. and whatnot. Yeah. And so he just so he has a little idea of what you're doing too. So that helps. Right. Great. Right. So, but there's so many common threads about business. It doesn't necessarily so matter what industry or what your business does. There's so many things that are across all the same. So. Boy, you nailed it, Andy, because I think that's another thing that holds us back. I, uh, as you know, my husband and I have automotive repairs, so how could anybody else possibly understand what our business is? And it, you are totally right. You could advise me and I would go away with some great nuggets that would help my business because there's so many common things. with Right. It. I mean, we, we were sitting down at the same event table, yes. you know, a couple of weeks ago and how many things just ring true about what each of us said there. Right. right. And it's like, hey, I didn't know really any of you beforehand we sat down but there's so many things that are just yeah, common universal. That, that we just mm -hmm. that we just open up and are transparent about and it's like hey yeah no i've had that pain too and this is what i was able to do so um i'm sure you've heard that jim Rohn quote about how you are the combination of the five people that you spend time with mm -hmm. and so i do appreciate give for that you know an opportunity to network with other individuals who are going through that same type of thing where we can build one another up. So whatever networking we as businesses can be involved in, um, whether that's formal or a mentorship or whatever, I think it's great advice. We need to reach out and help each other and have that abundance kind of mentality that there's enough to go around for all of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There really is. Awesome. Okay. Well, I would like to know what is the best advice you've received? And I don't know if it would be from your mentor or from someone else, but... Um, what was the best advice you received? Do you still abide by it? And maybe what would be your advice for others considering self-employment? So I, I received uh, quite a few things of not to do it, but to uh, continue to get my master's degree and then being able to, to get a good job is what I received from a lot of people. Oh, yeah. Don't, don't leave school. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Is, uh, you know, keep, keep working for the man mentality and you'll be able to have a, a lot of things provided for you. And so, and that didn't sit with me because I knew what I had a passion about and what got me excited and what I could spend, you know, 80, 100 hours a week when needed because, you know, I love what I do. And, and, I, and I think so just being able to find a way to make that uh, profitable for me that I'm not just spending my time just because I love it and being an enthusiast about it, but I've got to be able to shape and, and form a career uh, that not only uh, supports me, but that can support uh, a family as well. Mm -hmm. Right. So what would be your advice for other um, people going into self-employment? Because that's not, it isn't for everyone. Right. You've been successful. You've had that grit to be able to get yourself to this point. Right. And, and I started out as a DJ, wanting to, to DJ the biggest events is what I wanted to be able to do. And what I do now is providing um, corporate events with top of the line audio visual. That's the transition that, that I needed to take place in order to do what I needed to do. Mm -hmm. 
and because the uh, the amount of revenue and everything that that I could make in the DJ realm wasn't as significant as what I could make in the corporate realm. And so there wasn't a, a good way that I could really build sustainability and, and build a company that way. And so I needed to kind of transition. And so even though we still do things in the DJ aspect of things, there's just a lot more that's going on there. And so I, I think it just to make sure that you're doing enough in your niche that keeps you busy and keeps you occupied but then you're not necessarily an octopus trying to encompass all, anything that touches it or its surrounding, but really kind of knowing what you're good at, what you can draw the box around and what you can be able to, to market and sell to other people that has value. Um, yeah, I think so many of us are like, oh, there's business, I gotta go get it. And that doesn't necessarily make us really good at all, everything. We need to do what we do and do it well. Right, yep. you gotta specialize in something because you gotta tell people what you're good at. Yeah. And if you have a list of 20 things, then chances are that they're probably not going to believe you for <laughs> any of them. But if you can say anywhere from like three to five, then yeah, then I think that builds a lot more credibility with people. Do you feel like you had to compromise in order to get to that place? Uh, I've, I've had to refine my vision. Um, last year was, was going to, we went out of the gate, you know, I hired a bunch of people. We raised a bunch of capital so because we were going to be able to conquer not just one different thing but like five different things is what we were trying to do you know we were trying to be the best at av we were trying to be the best at weddings we we're trying to be the best at doing concerts and mid-size shows and uh even starting to do uh photography and videography on those things and what i realized is that the, the team was not motivated in each of those areas, nor did we have the resources or the time mm -hmm. to really devote on each of those different bridges that we were trying to do. Mm -hmm. And the purpose of a company is to make it to profitability. And so if you have a bunch of half bridges trying to make it to that profitability side, then it's not going to make it. Yeah. And so that's when I realized that, hey, the corporate AV has really got to be our focus and what we're doing because we'll be able to make it yeah. there. And once we make it there, then we can go Maybe back, go and back then to we can some of those other bridges. Doing some yeah. of those things. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So I love that. Um, all right. I always like to ask if there's any um, books that immediately come to mind that you attribute to helping you achieve success in your personal or professional life that we could recommend for our listeners. Yeah. Uh, there's been two that have been really monumental. And that's been the, the E-Myth has been a great one that I, that I read. Um, and then also Traction by Gina Wickman, which uh, lays out the entrepreneur operating system. So both of those, you know, they have different aspects and different approaches, but if, if you are an entrepreneur or an owner at heart and you can feel that knowing what those, things in those books teach you helps you outline so many of the fun structural components of your business because i've always been a, a huge enthusiast of what i can do and what i can sell but making sure that the structure and the systems and putting in and making sure that there's seats for people to sit in so that they can be able to come on this journey with me yeah. because most of the time i was you know just driving a bus without a whole lot of seats that said, hey, just get in, find a place, we're going. <laughs> right, I got so, two events, so right. I need somebody else. <laughs> right, so. Yeah, that's great. I, um, that's the key, visionary. Entrepreneurs are visionaries. You know, you wanna see that whole thing and do it all. Um, so we do need some direction on how to focus down. So, okay, e-myth and traction. Yep. Got it. 
All right, so Andy, what is the vision now for Andex? I think maybe you've kind of approached it a little bit, but where do you see where do you see you guys going? Yeah, so what we want to do with Andex is we want to be a national audiovisual company. And so what we're building in Idaho Falls that we're putting the finishing touches on is what we want to be able to replicate um, all around the western part of the United States. Uh, someone that specializes in the AV side of things, and so we can be able to answer AV questions and help facilitate um, for events and other things that come about. So, and not only to have the the service side, but also to have the sales and the, also the rental side of things. And so we're we're launching our rentals program here um, next month is when that'll be live on our website. And so we just want to be able to help people come up with solutions. And what does that mean? So if I wanted to do karaoke, I can come rent a karaoke machine from you. Is that what that means? Yeah, yeah. So okay. Things like that, speakers, microphones, uh-huh. um, yeah, lighting and other things that, that people want to do for that are do-it-yourselfers yeah. because there's a lot yeah. of DIY people is what I found out in the East Idaho area. And so, and so we just want to make sure that we have a good offering and that uh, that we also take time to help show people on what they can be able to create, you know, for, for an at-home party, for a birthday party, or for uh, a youth activity or something. Yeah, yeah. that's great. I, are there companies like that currently in town? Uh, not, not, not a whole lot. So, yeah. I mean. Have some more options. Right. Okay, great. Well, Andy, tell me, is there anything else you want to share with the listeners? If they want to hire you, how do they go about it? Yeah, so honestly, just finding us online is the easiest to do. It's just andx.us, A-N-D-X. And, you know, there's uh, it kind of shows a lot of our portfolio and the past events that we've been able to work on. So I think the one of the greatest things is that each event is different and we tailor it differently. And so being able just to, to call us and talk about what you have in mind or what you're going on or what, you, what you're trying to accomplish, we can be able to provide a lot of our experiences and our resources. I mean, I've done over a thousand events. My staff has done hundreds of events. And so we have a lot of things that we recommend people to do and some things not to do yeah, that people have tried beforehand. Mm-hmm. And so, especially nonprofits, I love working with nonprofits. And so we do free consulting with them. So if you're having a fundraiser uh, event of any sort that, you know, feel free, we will make sure to get you scheduled so that you can be set up for success. So that's so perfect because this can be a pretty intimidating type of a conversation when you're putting together an event. So that's great. Especially when you get there and nothing works and you're frustrated because you have, you know, your 20 other volunteers that are helping you with this and putting it on. So there's a lot of factors that go into it. And and what I've realized is that the better plan that you have before the big day happens, the better execution that you can have. That's always the case, I'm sure. Right. How far ahead do we would we need to book with you? What are you looking like? Uh, usually, Just th- depends. usually things are pretty solid about two months before. Mm-hmm. So uh, weddings and and other higher end events, you know, some people book us a year in advance, and so it's always by first come first serve. Okay. And so it's just by those people that are willing to take action and, and put a deposit in and make it, make it that they want it. So we want to be able to work, pe- work with people that want things to not just be average, but to be incredible. So people will remember it long after the event ever happened. So Great. 
Well, thank you, Andy, for sharing your story with us today. So much of what you shared, I think, will resonate with many of us in business and in, in leadership, too. How fun it is that we have your service in Idaho Falls and East Idaho. And I look forward to seeing you at many local events and parties and also watching your business continue to grow. So thanks again. Um, as a reminder, Oswald Service is a sponsor for East Idaho Entrepreneurs. If you're looking for automotive repair provided with honesty and integrity, look no further than Oswald Service in Idaho Falls and Rexburg. And we'll see you next time. It's now time for a business leadership moment on East Idaho Entrepreneurs Podcast. Thank you for joining the Business Leadership Moment. This week, we have exciting new content that was first shared at RiseCon, an East Idaho business conference held in November, held annually in November, I should say. If you would like to know more about RiseCon or their monthly executive event, RiseX, please see their website at www.idahoricon.com. And RISE is spelled with a Z, by the way, so R-I-Z-E, for more details. Uh, We are so excited today to hear from President and CEO of Elevation Labs, Michael Hughes. In this clip from his presentation at RiseCon, he's talking about the airplane model rule and how we can all learn more from being a servant leader. So please listen and enjoy, and here's Michael. And if you're a designer of that, the rule is, if you want to add a component, a piece of technology, a gadget, a sensor, whatever it is, into that new airplane, and designers always want to add new things to the airplane, the rule is, you have to take away something of equal or greater weight before you add that new thing in. Right? Does that make sense if you're designing an airplane? Right? If you didn't have that rule, the airplane gets overloaded, becomes inefficient, right? can crash and burn. So after seeing this documentary and seeing what's happened to our people, I put two and two together and came up with this airplane model, right? And I made a rule. I got all 200 people in a room together, and I said, we're going to implement the airplane, the airplane model rule. And the airplane model rule is you cannot, as a leader, the leader cannot roll out anything new to the employees on the floor that are doing the work, that are adding the value to our product, without taking something of equal or greater time or effort away from that person first, Right? Total shock and silence from both parties in this room, right? We had the opposite of servant leadership culture in this plant originally, right? People did what their bosses told them to do, or they tried to do as much of it as they could physically possibly do. And bosses, the leaders, the managers, behave like everyone was there to work for them. It was the opposite of what it should have been, right? When you introduced this rule, the rule became, hey, you've got to go spend time on the floor with the people and work out what, is, what are their hassles in life, what are their barriers. Our job as leaders is to break down barriers, is to serve these people, right? And it took a total, a total U-turn. We brought in, we had all the leaders wearing the same uniforms. We got rid of special parking spaces. We got rid of a whole wing of an office that they had for me and, and to sit in a regular place, right? Because we were there to help them and serve them and go out there. If they needed help cleaning the line, we needed to do that. I spent time shadowing this guy on the floor he was testing the height of the stems of the aerosol cans. 24 cans every 20 minutes. He'd go over, take him about 5 to 10 minutes to test them. Right? So about a third to half of his day, he's testing these things. And after three hours and lots of these tests, not one of them had failed. I said, how many failed yesterday? None. How many failed last week? Oh, none. I said, have you ever had any fail? None have ever failed. Do you know anybody that's had ever, any that ever failed? I've never heard of it before. I said, why are you doing it? 
you guys told us to do it. I said, who's you guys? <laughs> who told you to do this thing? Well, it took me two days to find out who you guys was. And it was a guy in R&D back in Cincinnati in headquarters, of course. That, so I called him up. I said, hey, why are we testing 24 cans every 20 minutes in our factory? He says, you guys are still doing that? <laughs> I said, I was out there three years ago doing this experiment, and we wanted to make sure that the machine was set up right. You literally cannot make it wrong after it's set up right. There's so many sensors and testing. And we killed that thing the next day, and a person on every shift, on every line, got a third of the, their day back, right? And it's that, it's that approach of finding areas. How can we simplify people's lives down, right? And when you tell a manager that you have to do that, right? We had airplane models in the factory. We had pictures up. We had the rule. And people could come to me as the plant manager and tell me if anybody violated the airplane rule, right? If you, if you were doing that as a manager, we had a serious sit-down conversation, right? What have you done? To, so people's work plans and action plans for the year became the first half, I've got to take work away. And the second half, well, half the stuff we were going to do in the second half didn't need to be done because I simplified the work so much and it was already getting done because now they had time to go do it, right? So it's, a, it's a, just an important concept. It drove a huge cultural shift in that organization, a real flip-flop of the, the triangle, the leadership triangle, uh, and much more servant leadership. Thank you for listening to East Idaho Entrepreneur's Podcast. Proudly brought to you by Oswald Service and Repair. For all your car care needs in Eastern Idaho, let our family take care of yours. www.oswaldserviceinc.com.